Amen. Good morning. Um, so, this is Meg. Um, many of you, some of you might remember Meg um, being baptised last year around Easter. Um, Meg is um, involved in our youth, 15 plus, and, um, and two or three weeks ago we did a Sunday afternoon thing, um, investing in our youth, and it was all around, um, a work, we did a workshop on teaching and preaching, and um, Meg was one of the youth that attended that, and um, it was a great afternoon um, looking at um, how, to, how to preach, how to present, um, how to use um, whiteboards and um, how to frame language and all this. Sort of, it was a really, really worthwhile workshop. And at the end of it, um, we did a, we laid out a range of opportunities and said, oh, you know, you could teach at Pure Hearted on this, or you could teach the 15 plus on this, or you could do something um, at the Friday night youth groups or whatever. And one of the options that was out was speak on a Sunday morning. And Meg was like, I, th- I want to do that. How courageous is that? So I was like, great, all right, brilliant. So I said, well, come along, let's, let's have a chat in the week, um, and let's talk about um, what you want to talk about. So she came along, and I didn't really know Meg very well. Obviously, I'd, encounter, I'd met her on that day, but I didn't know her really well outside of that. Um, so I got to know a bit of a story, and I was like, so Meg, like, what, do you, um, what do you want to teach on? She was like, I don't really know. I was like, well, what's your favorite Bible story? And she was like, I've only been a Christian for... A, short, a little while. I only got baptized last year. I didn't have an upbringing in faith at all. Like, I don't, I suppose I quite like the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. And I was like, okay, let's go with that. Why don't you, so we talked about that a little bit. So why don't you go home? Why don't you read it a few times? Why don't you make a few notes about some ideas that stick out? And then we'll see, you know, it can be five minutes. We can team up. We can do a five minute thing. You can do the whole thing. Like, let's see what happens. And and she came in three, four days later, beginning the next week, and she went, ah, oh. so have you read it? She went, yeah, yeah, I've read it, and I've made some notes. I was like, okay, great, what have you, what have you got? And then she showed me her notes. I was just like, oh, okay, wow. So, um, it's just dynamite. So, be ready this morning, people. Um, so I was really excited, and I was like, well, let's do this in a conversational style, because actually what she pulled, what she brought in was three sermons, not one. And um, so, a girl after my own heart. And um, so I was like, well, let's do this in a conversational style, and let's work it through. So this morning, you're going to get to hear Meg's thoughts on the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. Now, as we do this, I'm going to have the worship team hang around, and um, we're going to... We're going to try something different. A, it's going to be conversational, already different. But often, you know, we'll talk and then we kind of do a response at the end. And if people want to respond, they can respond at the end. But actually, what I want to say to you today is respond at any point while we're talking. If God convicts you over something or if God challenges you or if God stirs you in some way or whatever it might be and you want prayer, come forward and we'll have some prayer ministry team around who can pray for you. If, like, don't wait for us to finish. Don't wait for us to get on to the next sermon or the next sermon because we're going to cover a little bit this morning. And we're going to interweave it with a little bit of worship and, we're gonna, and it's going to be a bit conversational. Um, so let's see how it goes. Let's see what happens. I want to start by reading um, from Genesis chapter 15, I think. Um, this is the beginning of this story. 
And it says, starting in Genesis 15, starting in verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And we see just three chapters later in Genesis 18, we see this coming through. Um, Again, starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. While he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under his tree, under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, he answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried in, into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayers of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. Well, there in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Okay, Meg. Um, Quite a story. What do you think about that? Um, so the main bit I got from that was that God makes us promises every day. Um, and when he makes his promises to us, he wants to keep them. And he like fully intends on keeping them. Um, and like Abraham and Sarah did, if they seem impossible, then it's okay for us to doubt them. Um, because actually we don't know what God can do until he does it. Um, we don't know the extent of his power until he shows it to us. Um, so just pause there a second, yeah. because... Before we rush on to the next point, it's quite a profound point. You said in there that God makes his promises, which, great. But you said God wants to keep his promises. Talk about that a little bit. Um, it's like, so like if he makes us a promise, he doesn't want to let us down. Keeping his promises is a way of showing us that we can trust him. And actually it gives us more of a reason to love him. Um, because he proves to us that he loves us back. Yeah, I love that. Because it's, it's quite a profound... It's quite a profound idea, isn't it? I think we, often, we can often talk about God making promises to us and, and you know, we, maybe we can become a bit flippant about it, but that, the confidence of that statement to go, and God wants to keep his promises, is a, you know, sometimes I think we can get a bit lost. Sometimes we can get a bit 
cynical or a bit hardened or a bit frustrated. Um, but it's just a beautiful truth that God is a God who keeps his promises. God is a God who wants to, desires to keep his promises. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, carry on. Love that. Um, I might tweak that while you're chatting. Go on. <laughs> um, and Abraham and Sarah actually doubted God's promise too. Um, in Genesis 18, 11 to 12, it says, Since Sarah was past the age that women normally have children, she laughed to herself. My husband and I are too old to have a baby. Um, she doubted them. Abraham, she doubted God, and Abraham doubted God. Um, but God still loved them, and God still kept the promise. Um, and doubting God doesn't lose us his love. He still loves us, even if we doubt him. Okay, sorry, I'm still tweeting. But um, love that. Um, so say that again. Um, doubt... doubt doesn't lose us love. Doubt doesn't lose us love. Yeah. Okay. Doubt doesn't lose us love. Talk, talk about that. Expand. Because um. I think that's quite a profound statement. Again, and I've only just tweeted the last one, but I'm going to have to tweet that too. So doubt, <laughs> doubt doesn't lose us love. Yeah, Ex- carry on, because I think that's beautiful. Oh. So... What talk? Can you expand on that? Yeah. All right. Um, I think it's normal for us to say, "Can you really do that?" If God says something like massive or extravagant, because we don't understand what He can do. Um, but actually, if we doubt Him and ask Him questions, He doesn't stop loving us because we've questioned His power or whatever. He still loves us exactly the same. Um, I think He understands that it's normal for us to doubt things because we're we're human and we don't understand right. everything. But even in our doubt, God's love is consistent. Amazing. Great. Sorry. Carry on. Um, at the 15 plus weekend away, like last November, I think, I was, uh, we were praying, we were hotspotting, like doing hotspotting prayer, and I just kind of felt God say to me. Do you to explain me, what hotspotting prayer is for yeah. someone? Um, so it's don't. like you get into a group and then you pray for one person at a time. Um, I, we, I was just praying for somebody, um, and basically God said to me that in like the grand scheme of his plan and in all of his massive plans and all of his massive creation, he loves every single one of us like he we are the only thing that he's ever created and the only thing he's ever gonna create. Like he loves us so much that it's irrelevant like whatever whatever else he's created, he loves us as if we are the only thing that exists. Okay. So I think we all need to take a moment on that. Do you, do you want to expand again? Sorry, expand on... Because... So, Meg wrote this little note down. And I was like, oh my goodness, that. Like, that's a revelation, isn't it? Like, that's a profoundly beautiful... I think for so many of us, um, we can feel... We certainly have moments where we can feel irrelevant to God. Anyone? Anyone going to give me an amen or a nod or an awkward shuffle on that? Yeah. Um, like we, have, like we have these moments when we feel like, oh, I think has God forgotten me? Like, has God given up? Has, like, we can feel irrelevant. And maybe this didn't feel, maybe this is like, oh, I've just got this for you, unless you're praying for someone in this hot, in this hot spot. But, this idea that God's, how did you phrase it? Say it again. 
Um, he loves each one of us as if we're the only thing he's ever created and the only thing he's ever going to create. Like the intensity of that, like he loves each one of us like we're the only thing he's ever created and the only thing he's going to create. And we know that God is in all creation, but the, the intimacy of that, like there's a beautiful intensity to that expression. I wonder, Julie, do you want to... Um, why don't we all just take a minute or two to contemplate that? God loves you as if you are the only thing he ever created and the only thing he's ever going to create. You are the center of his universe. He delights in you. He, he loves us in that beautiful way. Why don't we just take, I'm sure for a number of us, that's exactly what we need to hear this morning. Um, so before we go on to the rest of the stuff, why don't we all just pause and reflect on that for a couple of minutes. And may our confidence be your faithfulness. May our f- trust be in you and not in ourselves. And Lord, where there are promises that we're still waiting to see you come through. Lord, help us to not put up walls of frustration or bitterness or resentment. Help us not to shrink and draw back, but help us to step into the children of God that you've called us to be. Help us to step into our identity. Amen. Amen. So, Meg, then the story gets a little bit weird because this son that God has promised that is going to lead to these descendants that number the stars. and um, We see in chapter 22 where God says that tells Abraham you need to get up and you need to take your son and you need to sacrifice him um, to me which would seem a little counterintuitive and in the in chapter 22 in the text it says and early the next morning Abraham got up and loaded up his donkey and, and off they set and then they went to this mountain and they went up the mountain and Abraham prepared his son as a sacrifice and was about to kill him and at the last second God told him to stop and then in the caught in the thicket was this um, ram and then he and he sacrificed that instead um, it's a weird story um, what are your reflections on that um, I think it kind of says that even when God asks us to do weird things that seem a little bit like wrong we should do it anyway because at the end of the day he's going to provide for us like he provided a sacrifice for Abraham that wasn't Isaac. Um, so yeah. Um. Okay. So um, so sometimes God asks us to do things that maybe puts us outside our comfort zone. Some things that we kind of think are maybe a bit counterintuitive. Any stories like that that you can relate to? Um, well, I think the thing that stands out to me from that is actually Abraham just went and did it. Um, he didn't say... Are you sure this is what you want me to do? He didn't say, I'm going to wait a week um, and see if I still feel the same. He just did it. Um, and 
I know that when God says to me to do something, I say, prove to me that's what you want me to do. Give me a sign that that's really what you want from me. Um, last week at church, God said, go and pray for somebody. Um, and instead of just going and praying for them, I was like, okay, if you really want me to pray for them, the next song that the band will play is Reckless Love. Um, and the next song the band played was Reckless Love. Um, <laughs> but Now actually, all those people last week were going, oh, not Reckless Love. Now you feel bad, right? <laughs> well, at least now you know what God was doing. Okay. Um, actually, like, it wouldn't have been hard for me to go and pray for that person. Like, I know them. It's not, it wouldn't have been like I was going up to somebody I didn't know. Um, we were in church. Like, prayer's quite normal in church. Everyone around me was praying. Like, it wouldn't have been completely like random it wasn't like I was just in town and God was like go and pray for this stranger um it would have been fine but I still asked for proof um or like reassurance that God actually wanted me to do that um but Abraham didn't he didn't say he didn't question what God was saying when he said sacrifice your son that you've been waiting for for years and years um and your son is going to give you all of these descendants and like this massive family like which one's the easier one to do pray for someone or sacrifice your son like I think praying is so much easier um actually Abraham didn't hesitate he didn't say I'm gonna wait a bit and see he just did it as soon as he was asked to um he didn't stop and think about what he was doing he didn't like he didn't say oh my goodness I'm sacrificing my child like he just went and did it because that's what God asked him to do um and he was loyal to God and he was obedient to what God asked. And I think like that's something that's really admirable for me because I really struggle with that. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a little um, context in some of that as well, in that um, sacrificing your firstborn was quite a, um, wasn't an uncommon thing. There was, a, from the land that Abraham came from, um, came from Ur of the Chaldeans, and, they worshipped a god Molech there, um, who demanded that you sacrificed your firstborn. Um, but and so it was a horrific thing, but a cultural um, thing. And I think there's a couple of things which are quite interesting about that um, story. You know, whilst it's okay, well, this is maybe what a lot of people did at that time. It's still counterintuitive when God's saying you're going to have all these descendants and you're a hundred, and God's just pulled off one miracle, but you're kind of going, He's probably not going to do that again. Like, it's um, there's an immense amount of faith there, um, but also I think there's a statement from God in that, in that you know your expectation is that this is the sort of thing that your God might ask you to do, but I'm a good God. I'm a God who provides. I, I won't just ask for the sacrifice. I'll provide the sacrifice. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the sort of God who is destructive. I'm the sort of God who brings blessing. And I think there's a... Um, and I think what we see here is Abraham's faithfulness and confidence in who God is. Um, he's like, okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but, but I know the promises you've made. I know the sort of God you are. So I know that this is going to come through somehow. And... Um, and, so, and I think there's a challenge in there for us of do we know God is good do we, we can sing that we can, but do we know God is good do we know that God's faithful that he's going to come through do we, know, do we know God to be the God that he is um, or have we bought into ideas maybe cultural ideas that God is vicious or 
um, erratic or unkind or violent or destructive or distant or whatever those cultural ideas might be, um, are we confident in a God that is different from how our society perceives him to be? And um, I think that's, that's a challenge for me in that text. Anyway, sorry, I've interrupted you, Meg. Carry on. Um, I read a story the other day, which, I mean, it was on the internet, so it could not be true. But I think even if it's not true, it still, like, has a good message behind it. Um, so there was this girl, and she was driving home from work, and she felt God say to her, go into the next service station and do a headstand by the vending machine in the service station. And understandably, she was like, what do you mean? That's a bit weird. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, but God kept that saying... Is, that is a bit weird, mate. Yeah, that is okay. quite weird. <laughs> um, but God said, no, go and do it. Like, go. Um, so she did. Um, and afterwards, the guy who was working around that bit, I guess, came up to her and said, I was going to go home tonight and I was going to end my life. But actually, I prayed and I said, God, if you want me to stay here and you want me to keep living for you, then send a girl to do a headstand by the vending machine. Um, and like, I think even if that's not a true story, I think it still has a good message because like, we might not understand everything that God tells us to do or understand, like, or see the big picture like he does, but there is a big picture. Um, and like, this girl, by doing a really weird thing, saved someone's life. Like, I think that's a really... Um and I think God does do stuff. I mean, that is a weird story. It might not be true, but uh, but it's but God does do stuff like that. I remember there's um, I think that when I was um, speaking at New Wine this year, um, I ended up speaking about the prodigal son, but I didn't speak about the prodigal son. I spoke about the prodigal son's brother, which is probably not one of the most common topics that anyone ever preaches about. He's a little bit of a byproduct character in the story, and yet, but that's what I was talking about. And at the end of this, um, you know, various people came forward and responded, and it was a nice, good response, and it was really encouraging. But one lady came to me and she said, "I need to let you know, um, I was, we were, there's a, a member in our who's camping with us. This is girl who's camping with us, and she's been struggling all week, and she's just struggling with her faith, and doesn't know what, what she believes anymore, doesn't know whether God's real anymore, doesn't know, just you know, on the verge of walking away from." her faith altogether, just done with it. And she said, and this afternoon when we were eating together before we came out to the evening meal, she was like, you know, I think I'm done with this. Um, I've thrown God out a, um, a test, you know. If someone preaches tonight on the prodigal son's brother, then I'm listening. But apart from that, I'm not interested. And, and then she came in, and there I was speaking about the prodigal son's brother. And, and for that girl, that was the... You know, God does stuff. God uses stuff. And, um, and I think the point you make there, Meg, is really fascinating in that, you know, sometimes God asks us to do stuff and we want to know the why as well as the what. Like, well, why should I do that? Or why? why? That doesn't make any sense, God. And, um, but we don't, then that's not faith. I mean, obedience is important, but faith's also important. And, and I think that, trusting God, trusting the nature of God, trusting the character of God. If God tells me to do this, then there's a reason that God's telling me to do this. If God's calling me into this situation, there's a reason for me to do this. You don't have to know the why. You don't have to understand the whole picture. Obedience isn't like that. Like, sometimes we just have to do what God says. I think that's a really profound challenge. 
Um, I think that's a really profound challenge for us. So I love that story. Well done. Yeah. Carry on. Um, I think just the kind of last thing to say is, even if God asks you to do weird things that seem a bit out of the ordinary, he's not doing it to laugh at you. He's not the kind of God that says, oh, I'm going to go and get someone to do a headstand in public so I can have a good chuckle. That's not what he... That's okay, not what you've he put is. An, you've put an image <laughs> in my head now of God going, Jesus, come over here, quick. Spirit, come on. Look what I'm making them do. This is going to be hilarious. Like some sort of heavenly gag reel going on of all these people doing ridiculous things and like the, them daring each other to get someone to do something even more ridiculous than, the, than each other. That's, anyway, that's going to amuse me for a little while now. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that's not what God does. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Um, he does it out of love and out of kindness, not out of humor. Mm, I love that. I love that. Do you want to... Um, wait a minute. Do you want to um, start responding to that? Um, and, yeah, thanks, Meg. That's some great insights um, there. I'm sure we've all got various aspects of that that have challenged us differently. Um, so we're going to respond um, for a few minutes. If you need prayer, please do come forward. I know some people have been praying already, but do um, come forward or come and pray. If you've got something to share, then let's see. We'll see what the, um, where the timing goes as well. But um, thanks, Meg. That's um, it's been amazing. Why don't we stand and respond to that? <laughs>